HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arroway, and it's a gorgeous, uh, sunny, almost summer uh, weekend here in Brooklyn. And I'm really excited because my CSA just started this weekend. And um, I have a book right now that really is answering a lot of my dreams right now. Um, first of all, I've thought about, like, why doesn't a book exist like this for a little while. Um, and now here it is. I'm holding it in my hands. And it is, of course, called the CSA Cookbook. Very helpful indeed. And the writer is Linda Lee. She is Garden Betty, the blogger known as Garden Betty, also seen on um, TV and so forth. Um, it is Linda Lee. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for coming in from sunny California. Well, it's pretty sunny here, too. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> yeah. like 80 today. Um, yeah, it just started happening, though. But I'm sure that your uh, CSA season is in full swing. It is. And out in California, Southern California especially, we have a year-round CSA. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see vegetables year-round and I think that actually our CSA is starting to kick back up again for summer. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah, so it's like the change it's the the start of the new season here. Um and throughout and hopefully a lot of people are in are enjoying CSAs. For those who don't know, it's a community-supported agriculture. Um, Linda, how did you get into um, this CSA stuff? Like, when did you first hear about it? When did you first participate? And what what was your inspiration? Well, I had a CSA years ago, um, long before I ever had a garden. I just heard about it. A few mm. of my friends were members of CSAs. I thought it was a great idea to try to support small farms and also... Um, be more familiar with vegetables that I don't often cook with. Mm -hmm. So my first CSA experience was a disaster. Uh-oh. <laughs> I only joined for one season, 
And and this is the same story that I hear from a lot of people who are new to CSAs, where they get a box of these beautiful vegetables, but most of them they don't really know what to do with. Either they get too many things, say too many heads of kale or too much zucchini,、mm-hmm. or they end up with something really strange in their boxes, like kohlrabi、mm-hmm. or an Asian leafy green, and they don't really know what to do with it. So. What happened with me was that I would just end up giving half of my box to my neighbors,、mm-hmm. and with a lot of my friends, they told me that they would give most of their box to their neighbors' chickens or their neighbors' goats, <laughs> or you know, sadly, they would actually just toss most of it away. You know, it would just spoil in the、yeah. fridge or spoil on the counter. And I wanted to solve that problem with this book. Okay. So this is sort of your gate. It sounds like CSA was your gateway to discovering more about agriculture and eventually gardening and and getting more. Yes,、involved. it was.、Um, yeah. Well, I started gardening about five years ago. I have a quarter acre lot in Southern California, out on the coast. And every season, I grow between 125 to 150 varieties of vegetables or herbs.、Mm-hmm. So I get a lot of practice. Yeah, I rarely eat out because of that.、Um, I bring in a new harvest two or three times a day, and I'm always looking for new ways to prepare all of the vegetables and herbs and fruits and flowers that I bring in. Yeah, and when you have a garden that's as large as mine, say in peak summer, you end up with Many many pounds of summer squash, you know. So how can you、um, make a dish with zucchini so that you don't get sick of zucchini day in and day、mm-hmm. out? And and that's what、um, that's what my days consist of is trying to come up with new recipes, new ways of、uh, concocting dishes, whether it's raw or cooked or fermented or preserved. And- right. And I love how in this book you really talk about using all parts of the. Plant and、um, that was something you grew up with in your household. It is. I am Asian, and in Asian culture, you're pretty much taught never to waste anything. And if you look at the things that we eat, it can be a little bit crazy. You know, we eat every part of the animal. And with my、Chicken、parents, feet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fish heads,、mm-hmm. <laughs> and that also translates to vegetables. So my parents grew up in Vietnam, war era Vietnam. So、mm-hmm. they have always been pretty thrifty as far as food. And when I grew up, meat was a luxury,、mm-hmm. and so you ate much,、um, many more vegetables than you did meat. So we we're very creative with how we cooked our vegetables and how we prepared them. And I didn't really appreciate any of that until I moved out on my own, started cooking for myself, and. Saw that a lot of the things we end up buying in the grocery stores or the farmers markets are wasted, and these、yeah. are things that we pay for. I know, and I know. I always feel this weird、uh, shame when you know recipes instruct me to just strip the stems of these beautiful, say, Swiss chard,、um, and then just use the leaves or or kale for that matter too. You know, sometimes they just want the leafy greens, and I'm like, okay, stems. Pickle them, and I've, I've done that, and、uh, or just kind of like cook them separately on their own for like a green bean substitute or something <laughs> like that. But、uh, and that's why I love、um, this book is really smart because it's divided by not the season, not necessarily、uh, like the type of dish, but the type of vegetable, the type of plant. So you have a whole chapter dedicated to bulbs and stems. That's、yes. really cool.、Um, And I see that in this like 
colored green dish. You have all the stems swimming in, in with the leaves in this uh, kind of soupy stew. I do. So. Like a lot of these parts that people think are inedible, like especially stems and stalks, uh, they always think that it's too bitter, too fibrous, too stringy, but all right. it takes is a little bit longer cooking time. Right. And they're delicious. It tastes just like the rest of the plant. Now, what would you do with... What is a commonly thrown away thing? Um, I can tell you fennel recipes. They're always like this huge stem left over. There, after you use a bulb. There is. And, a stem. and that's very bizarre because the fennel fronds, the leaves, taste just like fennel bulb. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they make a really nice garnish for a lot of different dishes like salads and soups. Um, the cores yeah, of fennel too. are wasted a lot, too. Yeah. All right. So, and I love how you have this fava bean with the with the pod still on it, and you charred the pod, which is so brilliant because <laughs> they look soft, you know, um, perfectly delicious looking, and um, yeah, and you eat the whole thing, right? You the pod eat the and whole the beans. Thing. Yeah. When you grill fava bean pods, they soften up just like a green bean or any potted um, bean, and you can eat them pot and all. One quote I really liked in your introduction was that you said growing up in your Vietnamese household, um, you didn't have compost. It didn't exist because there was nothing to wait. There's nothing to put in it. So like (laughs) you guys ate the fish heads, you you ate all parts of the vegetables. That's really amazing. That's like, (laughs) that's pretty impressive. Um, Well, that's how my parents cooked and they have sort of (laughs) they've instilled that in me I think (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no I mean that's that's something I think a little universal like waste not want not um but it it takes some it just takes some like a little know-how and uh this book definitely shares some of those secrets um so getting back to kohlrabi because that's (laughs) that's a tough one for a lot of people (laughs) um the easy answer is slaw what what else what other things do you recommend? Oh, well, I one of my favorite recipes in the book is kohlrabi home fries. Oh, my goodness. That's probably one of my favorite ways to use it just because it's a lighter version of French fries. Um, so they you, look amazing. <laughs> they're so good. They, they have, look like French fries. They do. You know, and, and but they're not too starchy, so they don't leave you with that really heavy feeling in your stomach afterward. Oh, yeah, carb free, right? <laughs> they are carb free. Wow, and they're sweet they too. Are. Once you roast them, they are. They have a really nice texture and flavor. It's a great way, I guess. Like if you have kids who are resistant to vegetables and especially kohlrabi, it's a great way to get them to eat it, just mm-hmm. because it looks so tasty mm-hmm. and not just slaw, which is you know salad. And then you have leaves used as like a salad green. So fava leaf salad. I don't think I've gotten leaves in my CSA box of fava beans, but I guess if you grow them, you'll see that a lot. But they look beautiful. Yeah, the whole, the entire fava bean plant is edible. Fava leaves are not that common in CSA boxes. I guess it depends on where you live. Um, Mm -hmm. Out in Northern California, I've seen them at farmer's markets in the spring when farmers are thinning out their crops. Mm -hmm. But you can eat the leaves, the flowers, the pods at all stages. Mm -hmm. And the leaves just have a really great beany flavor to them. Mm -hmm. So I use them as salad greens when I'm waiting for lettuce and spinach and other things to come up. Cool. 
So, Linda, I noticed that you have, oh my gosh, you have stir-fried potato leaves. That's something they do a lot. Sweet potato leaves. Sweet potato leaves. That's something they do a lot in Taiwan. That's great. Um, So... The, throughout the recipes, it's it's very international. You have tacos, you have Filipino recipes, you have this Portuguese sausage and radish green soup. Yes. Do you think that it's one of um, do you think that it's one of the key um, ways to eat a lot of these new vegetables? Is to have like a more broad culinary repertoire, um, more international or. Or is that no, necessary? Or? I definitely think it is because, for one, American culture tends to be very meat-centric. That's mm-hmm. what we focus on. We're all about our barbecues. Meat and potatoes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so stepping out of stepping out of our comfort zone and into other cultures and how they prepare vegetables is a really great way to get to know how to incorporate more of these leafy greens and like the odds and ends of vegetables just because we don't use that much of it. So Mm -hmm, I like mm -hmm. to pull inspiration from places that I've traveled, how I was brought up, Mm -hmm. um, cuisines and restaurants that I've tried. And a lot of these recipes call for ingredients that we might consider unconventional, Mm -hmm. but in other parts of the world, they're staple items. Mm-hmm. You know, so like sweet potato vines, you said, um, is very common in Taiwan, c- Taiwanese cooking. Um, and that's true in Vietnamese and Chinese. But here we are always waiting for the tubers, like the sweet potatoes to come up. Yeah. We don't even think about using the leaves at all. Um, same with the pepper leaves, which is common in Filipino cooking. To them, it's a seasoning. And for us, it's just it's just a bunch of leaves that we compost when the plant is done producing peppers. It's so eye-opening too. And you have the Sicilian squash shoot soup. That's a, it's a that's a tongue twister. Squash shoot <laughs> squash shoot soup. Sicilian squash shoot soup. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the sh- <laughs> we've seen the flowers being eaten, you know, zucchini flowers and so forth. But the shoots, I mean, yeah, they look beautiful. They have those big broad leaves. Um, would you recommend that they be cooked rather than like served raw in a salad or a little tough? I do recommend that they be cooked because they do have this, uh, it's a really wonderful velvety texture, but it's not quite fuzzy. tender enough yeah. to be <laughs> yeah, fuzzy. That's my euphemism yeah. for fuzzy, um, but they're not quite tender enough like spinach and lettuce. Yeah. So I like to cook them. That recipe is just a take on a traditional Sicilian soup, but um, in Africa, they make pumpkin leaf stew. In Thailand, mm. they make uh, squash leaf curry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually used in a lot of different cultures, always cooked, but prepared so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And I love how you like substitute things for other things. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of like a stuffed cabbage recipe, which... Um, you have this very traditional-looking stuffed cabbage recipe, except it's with collard greens. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And um, then there's the savory sweet potato hummus, which instead of chickpeas is sweet potato. Yes, that sounds really great and delicious. And, and you it, have that sweetness too. They do, that, but yet of, it's savory, so it's sort of a different take on mm. sweet potatoes instead of just um, drenching it in maple syrup and <laughs> topping it with marshmallows. <laughs> yeah, it in the oven. Um, so, okay, what is the difference? So you have, like, again, like, stems and roots and tubers. Uh, what is the difference between roots and tubers? Is it, like, roots is... 
Well, a tuber, tuber is what we know as potatoes and sweet potatoes. So they so grow that's... underground. They're not technically the roots of the plant mm-hmm. uh, because tubers also have roots. Oh, right, right. Um, and then as far as the roots go, those are things, those are just the parts of the plant that I consider what sucks up the nutrients for the plant from the soil. Okay, gotcha. And you can eat some roots. Right, right. So, okay, and then you have another chapter on tomatoes and peppers. Is that because they're in the same, like, family? Are they, are, like, related? They are. Yeah. They are. They are both in the nightshade family. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they get a bad rep uh, for being poisonous. At least the mm-hmm. leaves are. Um, but that is Wait, actually... but you had pepper leaves in a recipe. <laughs> I do, and they are not toxic. Okay. <laughs> and neither are tomato leaves. It's a misconception because they are related to... Um, deadly nightshade very distantly and deadly nightshade is obviously deadly but with a lot of these plants that we grow and eat they're not they all have chemical compounds in them that Mm -hmm. work as defense mechanisms that's how they protect themselves from bacteria fungi humans animals Mm -hmm. and so they put out certain levels of these compounds um that can be considered toxic or poisonous, depending mm-hmm. on your view. But some of the more common ones that we know of are nicotine, um, uh, caffeine. Oh. So <laughs> those, those are all alkaloids. Right, right. Um, and they're present in every vegetable that we eat, even in superfoods like kale and spinach. Mm-hmm. But it's really the dose that makes the poison with every plant that we eat. So as far as pepper leaves and tomato leaves go, you would need to eat several pounds in one sitting to have a lethal dose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think anyone's afraid of eating the tomatoes themselves or the peppers, so the leaves sounds like a great start um, to experimenting. Um, And I just love how smart the arrangement or the organization of the recipes are because you never know what's in your batch, and that's part of the surprise, but you can flip right, right to, like, the flowers section in your book or the melons and gourds which is squashes (laughs) and you know the similar stuff yeah so really fun stuff um what is your absolute favorite recipe right now at this point in the season god that's always so hard i so i love peasant food farm food i'm pretty simple and that's um, what i try to do for the cookbook is offer recipes that people can make on weeknights. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I would say that I love I love me a good pizza. <laughs> Honestly, well, you're in good place for that. So I have a recipe uh, for pizza pizza, which is a beet and beet green pizza. Oh, yum! Um, and that's delicious on its own. But I actually use that same dough, that same crust for every pizza that I make. And I, since it's summer, it's nice out. I have actually started just grilling pizzas instead of baking them in the oven. So much fun. And pizza is a great way to use up things here and there. I make throw it on top. Yeah. And I make kitchen pantry pizzas. Like, what do I have in the fridge and what do I need to use up? And I will just load it up with all kinds. (laughs) Kohlrabi. Yes. (laughs) Anything. Like some pesto that I have left over. Maybe some kohlrabi. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Leaves are a great addition. Yeah. So that's a great that's a great way to just like the kitchen sink pizza. Exactly. (laughs) Cool. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. But thank you so much for coming in, Linda. And thank you for making my dreams come true with this cookbook. Thank you for having me. All right. Check out GardenBetty.com for more of Linda's writing and especially uh, the CSA cookbook, which just came out um, from Voyager Press. All right. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. 
listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 